Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Welcome back to Dum Dums and Dragons, where improvisers who've never role-played before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukaki, your host, and our heroes are beginning their third season of new adventures. After the tragic death of Quinny and the breakup of Alan and Bobbert at the Thiefies, no one knows what'll happen next. How will Alan survive as a member of the Thieves' Guild? Will Bobbert follow through on his promise to kill all of the gods? What the hell will Tyler's next character be? Find out next on Dumb Dumbs and Dragons. Prologue. Quinny, you're staring into the eyes of Reginald Tingler, and with your last breath, you utter... Oh, so you have the breath that smells like dog dicks. <laughs> and you see the hurt and shame or on his face. Like that. <laughs> um, and your eyes close, and everything goes dark. And then you open your eyes, and everything is very bright. Uh, yeah. You find yourself on a plateau, looking around, you know, in uh, sort of a, a number of, like, fantasy realms. There's, like, those floating rock islands. Okay, yep. Yeah, so it's kind of one of those. <laughs> anime. Yeah, anime yeah, okay. all over the place. <laughs> like, anywhere you would find in Dragon Ball Z all the time. So you're on one of those. The sky around you is sort of an endless shifting gray. All right. You quickly check your chest and find that, yep, there is indeed like a giant sword-sized hole in your ribcage. My chest is like a gape. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, from where, shit, that, okay. where that sword went in, not exactly what you expected because, as we all know, Quinny doesn't really believe in this shit. Yeah. So what's what's going through Quinny's head right now? I'm alive! <laughs> <laughs> I made it! I did it! Uh, <laughs> You, your voice kind of like echoes out horribly into the nothingness, and then you hear footsteps behind you, and you turn to see a tall, thin, cloaked figure whose face seems to be constantly shifting. His features almost seem to be missing frames. So, like, he'll be smiling okay. one moment, and then suddenly, you know, his expressions change, and so on and so forth. If you and, had to choose a celebrity casting for this, as we have with gods, do you have one? Um, Jude Law at his creepiest. So, Jude Law right now. <laughs> Jude Law right now. <laughs> So uh, Creepy Jude Law comes up. Ah, Quinny, finally, you've arrived. And he walks over and he kind of extends a hand to help you up from the ground. I reach for my short sword. Is it there? You or? do not find it. God damn it. I, I get up on my own. He kind of does that thing that smug assholes do when they try and help you and don't, where it just kind of shrugs like, oh, well, no problem for me. And he says, welcome to limbo. As you can see, you've led your life, you've made your choices, and now you've landed here. But this is only a stepping stone en route to where you're actually going, which I should tell you is most unpleasant. What are you talking about? Well, Quinny, you're in hell. And the problem... <laughs> That's the sound Quinny makes. Yep. <laughs> uh, horrific torment awaits you here. You, you've led a, a questionable life. I'm afraid Horrific. you shall be torn limb from limb and tormented in ways you cannot even imagine. Horrific torment for Horrific all eternity? Horrific torment for all eternity. Yeah, all right. In that case, I'm just going to get used to it. Like, I, this is stupid. Sure, bring it on. So he snaps his, <laughs> uh, he snaps his fingers and you explode on a molecular level mm -hmm. and then are still conscious and acutely aware of the fact that you are molecularly discombobulated. Right. He snaps again. You reform as a horrible Cronenberg monster uh, and you kind of like try and breathe, but you like cough up an arm. Uh, and then he snaps again and you're you're back to yourself. I would like to make a deal. <laughs> I thought you might. And he holds out a beautiful silver dagger. Visually, it's very beautiful, but the minute you look at it, you feel ill. And he holds it out oh. to you, hilt first. So glad we could come to an arrangement. This isn't a tattoo-based arrangement or anything, is it? You feel a burning on the back of your uh, sort of spectral body. You realize you have no tattoos from your life, oh. but a new one is forming. thought I was running out of room. There's plenty of room for you down here. Smash cut to... <laughs> what a um, great horror movie trope. There's plenty of room for tattoos down here. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from Bloomhouse. Tattoo man. Yeah, they would. They would do that. Jude Law is the tat man. <laughs> Some things stay with you forever. As long as you get it refreshed every couple of years, it requires a touch-up every now and again. Color may fade, but fear never does. Damn, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you got those taglines. Yeah, it, it turns out writing Bloomhouse movies is not that hard. Spoilers. <laughs> so, Annan is sitting on top of a large, very strange-looking cart. 
she's looking at a small hourglass equivalent of a watch that she's flipped over and is realizing that this is taking a bit longer than she's entirely comfortable with. So she reaches behind her and punches the bench next to her, and she hears some muttering from inside and some metal clanging and stuff. She looks at her hourglass again and then hears a tremendous cacophony from the building that the cart is parked in front of, and she just really hopes that the Forsaken has killed the guy by now. We cut to inside the room. So it's been months since the death of Quinny, and, Bobbert, you've held yourself to your oath and you have been killing gods at a rate that is pretty reasonable for, uh, you know, what, what can be expected. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been up to? I have been traveling around. Yeah, my goal is to murder as many gods as possible. I had my falling out with Alan. I was super fucking bummed about that fucking Goblin Jr. left. But who cares? Everybody you love betrays you. So I, I've been traveling around killing gods. And I have a strange project that's been brewing. I have like a, a giant case in the thing where I'm touring my like <laughs> weird WWE character around <laughs> DDD that I'm like, Anna, you can't fucking open that. And neither can Emily. Yeah. So you find yourself in an opium den that you've raided. And in the time that you've been going around killing gods... Uh, you've put together a bit of a team. I think you're using the cover of the merch tour to cover your tracks, but you've definitely been hunting all the lesser gods that you can get your hands on for your secret project. Or um, even just the ones that I'm sure are gods. Like, the proof ooh, that might sounds, be minimal. That sounds bad. Yeah. Just like, um, yeah, what, what, what does that consist of killing a god? First of all, they gotta say they're a god. I'm not gonna just, like, just wander a, around a and be like, A mentally ill transient who says they're Jesus Christ gets fucking pummeled. So who's, <laughs> uh, who's your target today? <laughs> today, I, I've been hunting a gnome who I saw at a bar and he got away the first time and I've been chasing him. But it's this gnome who keeps going to bars and getting drunk and he keeps yelling, I'm the god of ripped gnome abs. And I am determined to kill this motherfucker. So I've been chasing him for weeks. Well, it would seem that your luck and your perseverance have finally paid off. With you in the opium den, I think the gnome has escaped up a flight of stairs. Um, you've kind of like dispatched a bunch of triad style guards up front. <laughs> I'm um, just thinking about the fight someone on opium would put up. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guards aren't on opium, but yes, you also murdered a bunch of uh, people on opium. Um, but luckily, you had help in the form of your new sidekick, whose name is... Bucky! <laughs> so, uh, Bucky, why don't you uh, tell us about yourself? I'll tell you about Bucky in, in the voice that I'm putting on for him, so... <laughs> well, hi there, I'm, I'm, I'm Bucky, and I'm uh, your, your very biggest fan. was so excited and, and, and jazzed when I got to actually meet the butthole farch, uh, and then you punched me in the face for calling you butthole farch. Um, but I think I think we've gotten past that together now, and I'm just glad to be helping out. I think it would be really good if we got the team back together. You're kind of like, I don't know how you really feel about that. You won't really talk to me a lot. Um, but uh, just excited to be helping out one of my heroes. That's great, Death Wish. But remember, call yourself Death Wish, not Bucky. The t-shirts say Death Wish. Right, right, right. <laughs> death Wish, Death Wish. Sorry, I, I, I keep forgetting. Uh, so as you say that, uh, Bucky, you are uh, attacked by tall man swinging a, a scimitar at you. Quick question. Can we just get a physical description of Bucky? Because I, oh, yeah. I want to picture what we've got yeah. with us here. Uh, just like I guess just like a character sheet breakdown of, of Bucky would be he is an adolescent dragonborn. Uh, <laughs> he is uh, a sorcerer as well. So he's he's kind of a magical guy. So what color are you like scales? Yeah, because uh, I'm, I'm picturing the little kid in the show Dinosaurs. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not what you're going for. <laughs> I am covered in scales and I do yeah. have kind of like a, a dragon's head in that I have like a, a snout. No hair or anything, just kind of like I have a collection of, of scales, like a bearded dragon would kind of thing. Like just kind of like pointy and almost yeah. dreadlocky tied behind me with like a big, big thing of like rope. So are um, you like a scary looking dragon or are you like cute? I'm not fully grown into like a menacing kind of dragon, but depending on your prejudices, if you like, depending on like where you live, right? If a scale covered creature comes walking in. I'm uh, picturing him having the head of the baby from people the family and dinosaurs. Not the mama. <laughs> yeah. What are your clothes like? Very, very basic adventuring gear. Nothing that would actually provide protection. On top of that, when I met you, I was wearing a, uh, I tried to open a mine in Fandolin and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> um, I have visited my Mecca, the Temple of Moonhammer in Fandolin oh and bought goodness. a ton of merchandise. Just love you guys. Love your work. He's a red dragon, and so he's he's kind of like a rusty color. I'm going to say because he's also a, and this is like some inside baseball for our D&D &D fans, when you met him, 
and probably still now he is blue because he's a wild magic sorcerer. So he's he's blue, even though he's a, supposed to be a rust colored dragon. Nice. Yeah. And how tall is he? He's still got some growing to do. So he's probably at like chest height to, compared to the buttholes. So maybe so, like five foot flat, so, just so, five feet so tall. He might be like Tom Cruise sized, essentially. Sure, sure. Yeah. Great. Bucky, a, a man leaps out of a closet at you, uh, swinging a scimitar while you're repeating your backstory to butthole for, I think, <laughs> probably the 18th time. Yeah. Uh, what do you do? I cast Shocking Grasp. I'm just going to put my hands up in front of me and be like, ah, oh, don't! And then just electricity comes out. <laughs> All right. Roll <laughs> Roller attack. All right. I need to find the fucking spell. Sorry. <laughs> Melee spell attack. Okay. Natural one. And I'm not lucky anymore, so that's the roll. <laughs> the guy just collapses onto you, and you end up having to call for help to the Forsaken, which, Forsaken, this is pretty much how your partnership has been. But he is incredibly enthusiastic, and as a result, has been very helpful in your wild quest for murder. <laughs> help me, Mr. Forsaken. Your faithful ally, uh, Bad Time, needs your help. <laughs> Bad time. I couldn't remember my name. Please, this man is on top of me. I think he's on opium. You he's not what? moving. He's just fallen on me. You know what I say about your wish? Not today. And I turn around, and then in a dream world, I'm stabbing down, and I want to stab through the back of this guy's head into the floor, but like an inch from Deathwish's head, so it like looks cool. Okay, roll me that. Roll me that attack. <laughs> 16 total. I was hoping you were going to roll a one so Tyler would have to make another new character. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that hits. Five damage. Yeah, that'll do it. He's on opium. Um, so you, uh, yeah, you stabbed through, hits the ground right next to your head, Bucky. <laughs> and just like gets out from underneath him. Great work. Uh, and I reach down, I grab him by the collar and just haul him all the way up to his feet and Glock. set him down. Thanks, Mr. Forsaken. You're welcome. Maybe we'll get your final wish granted soon, young man. Right, because I'm, I'm Death Wish. That is I'm correct. Not I'm not I'm Death Wish. You're ill-equipped for this. <laughs> Smash cut to a lone figure stands in a field of ashes. It's a large charred space. The air still smells faintly of ash and smoke, but the trees are familiar, and it's a homecoming of a sort. Alan, you stand alone in the uh, wreckage of the Temple of Ogma, having finally received word from Ranger. You've been engaged in other things, but the time finally came to come home, and you found nothing but destruction. Well, this really sucks. <laughs> you hear some uh, some rustling, and members of your honor guard start to come out of the trees, led, of course, by Ranger. Each of them bears an inky handprint on their face from your right hand, which, since your uh, fateful handshake during the final battle against Reginald, has been permanently stained in a midnight blue. You now have to wear a glove over it because anything you touch maintains the mark. And as a result, the people in your unit have started calling you Alan the Stained. Yep. That's your new thing. That's a name that happened. <laughs> uh, so um, Ranger and his team report back and uh, inform you that they haven't been able to find the object that you're here for. In your pocket, you can feel the faint hum of the soul stone that you've been carrying with you and studying for the last few months. But then you hear a helpful snarf and turn to see Goblin Jr., who is hobbling over to you with something in his mouth. You notice that the leg he lost during one of the many engagements you've been in against the Unseen Hand, you've been basically magicking him a fourth mm -hmm. leg, um, but you have to refresh it every so often and it seems to have faded. So he limps over to you with the item in his teeth, and it is in fact the item you came for, the item that will help you finally unlock the location of Quinny in the underworld. So it's an old amulet that uh, you remember studying. It was one of the artifacts that the Temple of Ogma was meant to protect. And it seems that he's dug it out of the ashes. Thanks, buddy. Snarf. Everyone else here is useless. <laughs> Ranger looks at you and is like, oh, fucking right, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but having found the item and no sign of your mother or the people that you remember from your time at the temple, you uh, send up almost like a magic signal flare, mm -hmm. um, and over the tree line, an airship appears. The vessel the Unseen Hand used at the casino that has since been co-opted by the Wanderers. And it seemed that Bryn got your signal and is here to pick you up. So for the past few months, you've been working in a uh, secret lab aboard the SS McSquiggly, um, <laughs> right. where you've been studying uh, <laughs> both the effect that the handshake had on you, as well as how to bring Quinny back. What you've managed to determine so far is that the Soul Stone will allow you to track Quinny in the underworld, but you still don't have any true means of A, getting him out, or B, anything to put him back into as the body was too badly burned to right. be of much use. So in the time you've been aboard the McSquiggly, Bryn has been carrying out operations for the Wanderers. Throughout the realm, you've seen more of the war than the Forsaken and Bucky have because they've been mm -hmm. kind of running around at ground level. But because you're now airborne and because these operations take place around the world... 
you're really starting to see the effect that the Dragon Cult and the Nation of Akka have had with their sort of slowly advancing armies. You've actually been caught in a few engagements yourself, hence uh, Goblin Jr.'s war wound. You've been kind of honing your skills as a combat mage, mm-hmm. um, but you've also seen a lot more death and destruction since leaving your party than uh, previously expected. How's Alan doing these days? Alan's not in a great place. <laughs> I would say. Quinny's death hit me really hard and then not having butthole there to kind of talk through everything with. I mean, I have Goblin Jr., but no one else gets it and I feel very alone. Basically, my point in life is to bring Quinny back right now. I'm not really caring about anyone else. I'm not caring about keeping up the friendships that I have or even the people who are following me now. They're there and that's great. And they're helping maybe (laughs) at this moment, everyone around me is a tool for me. Yeah. And not much more. And Except um, for Goblin Jr. I still fucking love that guy. You quickly magic his temporary fourth leg back in. Then he kind of like snarfs happily. This sort of honor guard you formed, it's made you slightly uncomfortable that there almost seems to be a bit of a cult of worship starting to spring up around you. Um, Yeah, we haven't had great experience with that kind of shit in the past. Well, the difference is that it's much more a house loyalty from Game of Thrones. Gotcha. Like, they're using honorifics, they're calling you my lady, Ranger is kind of leading the charge. Mm -hmm. You have the sense that's as much because with the Temple of Ogma being destroyed, he's lost his purpose in life, Mm. as is you. You haven't really thought about how it's affected Ranger (laughs) at all. (laughs) Well, you know, he only had one sole solitary purpose in life and it failed. But the good news is he did learn how to read and write because he sent you that letter. Right. Um, Your honor guard doesn't tend to travel with you on the airship because that'd be Mm. highly conspicuous. Your lab is basically located in Trek terms. It would almost be like the shuttle bay at the back of the Enterprise. So like Bryn's basically set it up so that you can come and go as you please using your cloak and you have some permanent staff on hand. So Ranger signals to the other guard. They pack up a very familiar mule who you recovered from his wanderings outside (laughs) the wreckage of Winchester. Yeah, I felt pretty bad we just abandoned hot ass at Uncle Jim Jim's rum shack. <laughs> yeah. So they uh, they take the table, they put it back up on hot ass, uh-huh. and they load them up with the few uh, artifacts that they were able to find. Ranger mentions to you that he did find, when he first arrived and found the temple destroyed many, many months ago, he was able to find some tracks, so it seems like there may have been survivors, but uh, he hasn't been able to track them any further. I'm going to set Ranger and the rest of the guard on finding the remnants of the temple and the people there and just make sure that anyone who is outcast from there is recovered. The airship does a flyover. You're able to fly up into your lab. Am I carrying Goblin Jr. with me? Sure. I make a baby Bjorn because I learned that from (laughs) Butthole. And I think Goblin Jr. does that thing dogs do when they're sticking their heads out the window of the car where like his tongue's flapping in the air uh, and he's super happy about it. (laughs) You arrive back up into your lab with the necessary tools you will need. Come back to the opium den. (laughs) (laughs) Forsaken, you rush up the stairs. You see the gnome. He's standing at the back. He's got his fists up. And he's like, okay, come at me, bro. I've got abs of steel. That's why I'm removing your head. (laughs) No gods on high. I sing as I I sling my shield down on the chain and I'm just charging this motherfucker. Okay. Can you roll me initiative, please? Sure. Ten. You get to go first. Yay! He's terrible. <laughs> All right, so... He's uh, in an opium den. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's doing great. So I, I'm just going to come in, take a swing, and let's see if I can just take that head off. 24 to hit. That'll hit. <laughs> and I'm going to do 10 damage total. Yep, that'll do it. All so, right, so then, yeah, I run towards him, and I lunge as though I'm going to get him with the shield, and the shield actually misses, but he goes to dodge that while the sword comes on the other side, and then I manage to decapitate him in one swift move. As the sword and shield make contact, he looks at you directly in the eye, and he's like, Why? Oh, those gods just fucking missing it. And then I lean down and I just hack through the middle of his body and just separate his legs and his torso. And then I reach down and I grab one arm from his like severed torso and throw it over my shoulders and put the other arm around him. So I'm like walking with what looks like a drunken friend who needs support, only there's no legs or no head. Bucky, how are you feeling about all this? Bucky vomits. (laughs) Dragon vomit, right? So there's also like fire and stuff. There's some fire in there too, yeah. (laughs) And I just look at him and I go, it's really cool when you do that. Honestly, though, a little disappointing downstairs. I told you we can't break kayfabe in front of the fans. I'm sorry, Mr. Forsaken. It's just every time you murder someone... (laughs) I'm just still not used to it. Don't worry. These are gods. They're not people. That's why we can kill them. Don't kill people. Kill gods. Kill people if they help the gods. Also, you might have to kill people. You know the rules. I'm still trying to figure out the rules on murdering everyone. Life is pointless. Their life is pointless. Your life is pointless. Stab, stab. All of a sudden, you hear an alarm siren further into the building, and you hear the sound of many, many footsteps. The Forsaken says, 
run! The two of you begin to uh, sprint out of the building as suddenly the suppliers and guards and everything come spilling out after you. You begin running for your battle wagon, which is pulled by a donkey named Hotter Ass. Really? No, what do you want? What a do you donkey. Want? You bought the first donkey. This is on you. That was a mule. That was a mule. Listen, <laughs> I had PTSD that I couldn't remember. The right. wars have come back to me. I would say if we could go with miniature horses, like <laughs> like so little Sebastian yeah, from Parks so, and Rec. So like technically it's the size of a donkey, but it's not a donkey because I'm morally opposed to dealing with donkeys. So rather than one horse, I have like four half-sized horses. Okay. Bucky, can you, well, the spell is enlarge, reduce. So I either can reduce the size of the horses or just increase Bucky's size so he can pull your wagon. <laughs> We're running to the wagon, and I yell, Death Wish! Summon strength! Bucky, are you going to enlarge yourself to pull the cart, as has been your way? Yeah. As you're running, you start to embiggen. Annan looks up from the cart. Uh, I knew this would happen, so she taps twice, and the top of the battle cart pops open, and a crank-operated steampunky machine gun comes up, and behind it, good old Yevgenovich. <laughs> he's like, wiggity away, get to the cart! And he just starts firing machine gun fire behind you and just fucking wasting people as you uh, you rush up to the cart. Yevgenovich was born in the cart. And then I adopted it! <laughs> Annan's like, Robert, we've been over this. We have a book signing in an hour. You can't be taking this long with these things. Oh, well, what is that wrapped around you? This is for that project I've been Why working upon. Why do you keep upon. bringing body parts back here? Because it's my quest. Fucking talent. Uh, so uh, <laughs> she motions, she pulls out an alchemical grenade, shakes it up, throws it, and it's like, we gotta go. Bucky, uh, you find your your typical pull-in harness. It's like a rickshaw now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So everybody loads into my rickshaw. I pull up the handle kind of things, and so everybody's inside, and we're ready to go, and Bucky just mutters to himself, it's just like my fan fictions. Not a man... <laughs> Not a Mary Sue anymore, old buck. And he just runs. Yeah. Uh, great. So. I, I pass a whip to Annan. I just yell, it's for your own good. And then she just like taps you. And you have like a bridle that pulls left or right in your mouth. Aww. That's not how rickshaws work. <laughs> just it's like just the thing you added. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello, friends. It is I, Reginald, local hero who's never run away or been afraid even once. I'm here to tell you how you can contribute to the Horde or our fortress or whatever. They told me I had to do this, and if I don't, I could die. So let me tell you exactly what you can get. You can get an opportunity to contribute in a way that doesn't require you to risk your life, but keeps me risking mine. I did not approve this script before I read it. Uh, apparently, if you chip in $15 a month, you get the ability to contribute new names to NPCs and characters and locations that can appear in this show. And then some of them might be my friend. Well, that's very good. I need more friends. And some of them might try to kill me, which is just fine. Up to you. Uh, just go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Join today, you can contribute. Plus, there's ad-free feeds, apparently, in some kind of community. Please, just don't send scary things. The uh, battle wagon rattles off down the road, and it's like the beginning of an Indiana Jones movie, except it's really scary drug lords, and they're all shaking their fists. <laughs> Cut to the lab. Alan, you've got a, a pretty good setup here. It's kind of mm -hmm. the lab that you've always dreamed of. Uh, what does it look like? I have a library that I've been collecting books uh, to study, and it is organized according to the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> um, so that's on one wall of my section, and on the opposing wall is all of the artifacts that I've collected along the way. And in the center is a long table that's just covered in like Erlenmeyer flasks and simmering potions mm. and that kind of thing. There's a lot of acid. I feel <laughs> like it's an acid-based magic that I'm really trying to go with here. And uh, I think in the middle you have one of those big, cool fucking Game of Thrones intro-y things. And this is kind of like the giant instrument you've been using to ascertain Quinny's location in hell. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just, just to be yep. clear, there is room for one person to move around here and only one. Oh, it's very cramped. Yeah. You hear a a knock on the door and you open it a crack to see Leanne of Lion Shield, who uh, you've basically enlisted as your resident supplier. Oh, hello, Alan. Uh, Lady Alan. Sorry, I'm still getting used to that. Alan's fine. Here is the book you requested. And we've currently got some agents, and she does like the air quotes because the agents are obviously members of the Thieves Guild stealing, um, mm -hmm. looking for that book to help explain the dreams you've been having. And then she nods and leaves. Since Queenie's death, you've been having 
having incredibly strange dreams of unfamiliar places, mm -hmm. a purple sky. It's been very confusing to you. Having now obtained it, you use the amulet basically to turn it into almost a uh, divining rod. So mm. once you're in the underworld, you'll be able to track Quinny. The problem is that you still don't know how to get into the underworld, and that has proven to be a, a constant problem. But having built your device, it's been a very long day. Uh, you've seen the ashes of your former home. You finally fall into an uneasy sleep. A Forsaken, similarly, after your signing tour, it's at like a local bookstore. It's kind of cool. What's the name of the book? It's just called Godless Monster. It's a biography of the Forsaken, including true events from the time at the Thiefies, and then a completely fictionalized backstory that was written partially by Annan, who was more the editor. But Bucky had showed up by the time I was crafting the novel. So a lot of it was me saying things. And whenever Bucky went, oh, that's cool, then that was what I used for the completely fictional backstory. <laughs> so it's... Uh, Bucky it, has a signed copy. And Bucky actually had to write the book. Like but he's I, the only I, the special thanks. Yeah, and he's he's not listed. There's there's nothing. It's dedicated to Ducky because I, I got his name wrong and we already had to go to print. It was a hard deadline. <laughs> Great. So, oh, also, I take the body that I had and I open up my secret case that no one's allowed into. And when you open it, it's like a Tarantino case. So it's like just light comes out in my face and I put the part of the body in. And then I take out a sandwich and throw it in the corner. And then I close the case again. Yep. You're very proud of yourself. That was the last piece you need. You're correct. Uh, which means it might be time to try and finally track down Alan. Because even though your project has been a success, you still don't really have any way of finding Quinny. Yeah, no, I've got my peace offering. So I got to sort some shit out now. All right. Having uh, successfully built all that, you also fall into a deep sleep. Bucky, what are you doing after the book tour? I just reread the Enlarge Reduce spell. Uh, it lasts for a minute. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> after I return to normal size um that's why that's why we, we need the whip <laughs> we got to keep that big guy big boy energy in the little boy boy i am just bushed after so after uh, pulling the tell, tell me what uh tell me what your bunk looks like in the battle wagon it's not in the battle wagon so much as it is a makeshift hammock that hangs under the carriage right <laughs> What have you decorated it with? Mostly drawings up underneath the undercarriage of the epic battles that like the dum-dums have been in and stuff like that. And like there's like a picture of like Alan with cool like green stuff flying out and stuff like that. And there's a picture of Butthole Farch and he's got like a cool blue thing coming out from behind him. And there's like <laughs> Quinny sneaking up behind like a goblin. And then there's Bucky. <laughs> Bucky has drawn himself geeking out over his other drawings. <laughs> so is a drawing of him looking at drawings being This is a drawing of him being in the presence of those drawings, being like, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Forsaken and Alan, you find yourself separately, but both having a dream where uh, Goblin Jr. is approaching you now. Forsaken, you're still seeing him as you remember him, fully intact. Alan, you're seeing him as you would see him. And in a voice distinctly reminiscent of Johnny Cash, he's like, you must find her, the god, she's waiting for you. She'll help you get Quinny, 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 Quinny. <laughs> Suddenly, very distinctly in both of your brains, you have a location, an overgrown temple. There seems to be sort of a large circular stone dies in the middle, and you can see someone lurking in the shadows, but you're not sure who it is. I wake up and pound on the floor Stomp to wake up Bucky. Yes, it bangs, and I just go, well, I had the dream again. <laughs> <laughs> but we got the gifts, so we know where we're going. You want to talk about it, Mr. Forsaken? No, thank you. All right, good night. And in, like, <laughs> I'm already asleep. <laughs> and in, uh, hitches up the emergency horses, because I think she's hired someone to bring horses alongside <laughs> every time. Bucky gets tuckered out so yeah, fast. Very quietly starts uh, moving the cart. Alan, you wake up. What do you do? And I just fly around the ship up to the top where our navigator is. Turn it around. I know exactly where we're going and just point him in the right direction. Whatever you say, Lady Alan. It's Alan. Sure. Just Alan. Yep, sure. Suddenly, over the crazy Terry Gilliam horn that he uses <laughs> to talk to everyone, he's nice. like, new orders, uh, we've got to um, go somewhere else. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> the crew knows something's up. They don't really know that it's you. There's just rumors floating around. There's rumors that it might be Riker. There's rumors that it might be some. They just know there's a VIP on board. The ship doesn't about face, and all of you arrive in your own time at the Overgrown Temple. It's kind of one of those classic Fast and the Furious moments where like people who haven't seen each other step out into a space. From the shadows, you both kind of arrive roughly at the same time. It's nighttime. Again, that this place pulses with magic energy. You can see that the center, it almost looks like a summoning circle. It's raised up off the ground a bit. 
but everything else is kind of busted and overgrown. And Bobbert and Alan, you see each other across this wide expanse. I see Alan and immediately the theme song from Chariots of Fire starts playing and I like smile and I take off my helmet and I turn and throw it to Bucky, but I throw it so hard that when Bucky catches it, he sort of falls over backwards. (laughs) I start running in real life full speed, but in my head in slow motion, so overjoyed. I haven't really seen Alan's reaction because I'm so busy running and just caught up in the emotional import of this moment that I'm imagining Alan is just standing there smiling at me with (laughs) arms open. And Alan, what are you doing? As Butthole slash The Forsaken approaches, I just wind my fist back and (laughs) I just punch him square in the jaw. She goes to punch me, but I actually duck under it because I was running to Goblin Jr. And I just (laughs) hug that wolf so hard. Okay, I'm going to need you to roll me a dexterity save. To dodge, and Alan, I need you to roll me an unarmed attack, please. How do I do that? Uh, (laughs) Uh, Whatever, I rolled a one. I rolled an eight. (laughs) You leap under Alan's arm and tackle Goblin Jr., who in spite of himself is pretty damn happy to see you. Alan, you go to swing at him, but as he runs past you, particularly because you rolled a one, you you swing for him, but it actually throws you off balance, so you accidentally fall on his back like you're hugging him. So in theory, you're a stack of hugs on top of Goblin Jr. What happens? Kind of in that moment, Goblin Jr. is just so damn happy. I kind of say, you know what? I just wanted to punch him. I don't say this. It's to myself. Um, (laughs) Really weird to hear over my shoulder. (laughs) I really wanted to punch Butthole. um, And then we'd be good. But honestly, I don't think I need that. My friend's back. Bucky, you see a group hug. What do you do? Alan! <laughs> it's Alan! It's Alan! I, I'm like talking to Yevgenovich. Yeah, I'm talking to Yevgenovich. I'm like, hey, on. That's Alan! That's Alan! Oh, I but know, hold, she's great! Butthole and Alan are together again! Oh my god! Can I go talk to them or? Wait, wait, uh, yeah, wait. man, get in there! Ah, and I just full on sprinting. A strange blue dragon beast man comes running at you, Alan. I kind of like look over at Butthole. We're good. This is okay. Like, this is, this is normal. That's Bucky. You remember him from all our adventures. <laughs> what? Yeah. Why would I remember him? Bucky's been around forever, man. That's Bucky. I, I, I like get up and I'm like, Bucky, come over here. Bucky's like out of breath now. <laughs> yeah. So um, Bucky's here and I'm like, this is Bucky. Remember, he was with us at the Wave Echo Caverns. And then he went through the whole trial thing. Like he was working with not Pete. And then he had the whole uh, battle with us. And then after, oh man, that heist. He was so sad when Quinny died. I've seen him cry about it a lot. Right, Bucky? It was, it was uh, hi, Bucky. I'm Alan. Uh, <laughs> hello, Alan. I'm, I'm Bucky. I'm your biggest fan. Wow. Can I hug you? I kind of do that thing where you like let someone hug you yeah, and then Bucky like kind of tap their shoulders yeah. like really hard. The old like, Comic-Con yeah. hug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The group is together again. Are you guys getting back together? Just oh, as- yeah. Oh, yeah. We're together. I mean, look at this. We're all standing here. You're hugging Alan. It's just like the old days. Bucky and Alan and Bobbert. Yes, it's really nice to meet Bucky. I guess. Bucky takes uh, a, whatever. a book. <laughs> And it looks just like Bow Gentles. And he cracks it open and he starts writing it. And he's like, Dear Diary. And it's just a diary. But he's such a big fan. It's a branded diary. Yeah, yeah, he's got the Bow Gentle branded diary. He knows it's Alan's favorite book. My mouth is agape as I just look back and forth. (laughs) You should see the drawings he keeps under the cart. Forsaken, you notice that Goblin Jr. is missing a leg. Well, somebody's been busy. <laughs> and I it's chuckle. Like, snarf, snarf. <laughs> hey, I got you a present. Oh my oh, gosh, he actually said snarf, snarf. <laughs> and I was here and I heard it. You know, you, you've had an uneasy reunion, but everyone's staying together. <laughs> For everyone except me. Yeah. Um, yeah. All of you know you've been drawn here by something or someone. Uh, suddenly in the quiet of the evening, there is a tremendous fart that shakes the trees. And like Jurassic Park, all of you turn in the direction of the tree shaking and a lone figure steps out and you know in your hearts that uh, she was the one who summoned you here. Alyssa, what do you look like? I am a very small woman. I have long, dark, curly, kind of like wavy hair. I'm wearing this toga that is dirty It's got like a gold rope around it underneath my bust. It goes all the way to the floor and I've got some gold sandals on. You can see in the ropes of the toga, there's two hammers on either side. Bobbert, you're not sure, but she does look vaguely familiar. Aunt Tildy? (laughs) No, damn it. 
Where have you been? I've been looking for you everywhere. Listen, I just got... I Okay, I've been having the dream for months. Admittedly, that is true. That's been every night. But I didn't have the gifts ready. I need. I needed preparation, and now everything's ready. It's perfect. I went through a lot of plans for these preparations. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But finally, it was ready at preparation H. <laughs> Dustin off an old Austin <laughs> Powers <laughs> 3 joke there, folks. He loves Way gold. back playback for you. <laughs> you don't know who I am, do you? Are you like a fan of the books? I don't answer those letters. Bucky does. Uh, full <laughs> confession, I've never answered a fan letter. It's all Bucky. I taught him how to do my signature. And then he just puts a little blood spatter. <laughs> Alan, you have a sinking feeling in your gut. Uh, hi, Alan here. So you brought us here. Yes. Spill the beans. What's your name, miss? I am the goddess of Moonhammer. Of? <laughs> <laughs> and I need your help. You guys, the goddess Moonhammer needs our help. Bucky, I'm going to need a second. Nor- <laughs> normally I'm really all about this, but just, just a second. Okay, just say that one, just one more time. Who are you? The goddess of Moonhammer. Ah, okay. Uh, and I just start unwrapping <laughs> the chain around my shield arm. <laughs> What's happening? Are, are we going to fight? Well, either somebody's making a joke and they're going to die or somebody's telling the truth. It's a weird thing to hope someone's a vagrant you're going to murder, but I'm really hoping you're a a murder vagrant. Alan, how are you doing with this? I am aghast, I guess. Goddess of Moonhammer, that's interesting. What? How? Why? Who? Please explain. No, 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 no. Just like start from the beginning. (laughs) I have been looking for you for months. I'm doing my war dance. Like, I'm just psyching myself up. Butthole, I've been appearing to you and trying to find you, and you were never in any of the spots where I looked. Finally, I have managed to get you all here. They always say you find things the last place you look. (laughs) It's because you stopped looking for them after that. Gonna need some evidence right about now. Well, see, there's this thing where... I kind of like used to be a god and I was exiled and then I was stuck in a void and then somehow I got summoned here. I'm, I'm not really sure exactly what happened because now that I have this stupid, weak, mortal body, all of my knowledge is very fleeting. It disappeared and I am kind of confused about how I, I got here. I grab her by the toga and slam her against a wall and I say, listen, weirdo. <laughs> If you're a goddess, you give me back Quinny. Otherwise, I'm just going to put this sword. I want to say where the sun don't shine, which sounds like a genital thing, but the sun does not shine anywhere inside you. So I think of it that way. The Forsaken, pull back a minute. All right, just take a step back. Let's all talk this out. So uh, Moonhammer, they don't seem to believe you. What do you do? I make a big blast of magic, but it doesn't really hurt anybody. It's kind of more of a display of my power. It's this big fireball shaped like a moon appears and there's a hammer in the middle and it just starts glowing and this chorus of angelic music starts playing. And all of their trumpets sound like farts. Naturally, yes. yes. The um, smell just emanates <laughs> from this, the glowing ball hammer. Yeah, this um, is definitely pretty familiar now. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Barbara, as you're blasted back, thinking like sort of slow motion, Brad Pitt getting KO'd in Snatch, like as your body's flying back through the air, you can feel your beard starting to grow in. Like it's it's stubble. It doesn't yeah. come all the way in, but it's just And I just, just like, go, no, no. And I, I hold my breath and squeeze really hard so my face turns red and all the hair goes back in. <laughs> <laughs> You hit the ground and roll away as the hammer and the music dissipates. Alan, this definitely smells familiar and glowing in the center of the sort of summoning circle is a symbol of Moonhammer that to you looks like the one you know. Alan, I think you actually see it as Moonhammer intended. It looks different, but you're not going to tell him that. Um, (laughs) What does Bucky see? It's all a blur. Bucky Uh, just sees an image of all of us hugging. (laughs) (laughs) He still isn't over meeting Alan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Um, He's probably just petting the shit out of Goblin Jr. Well, (laughs) Goblin Jr. leaps out from under your petting and runs over and bows to Moonhammer. Now that I have displayed my strength... I sense that you all believe me. I've now fully unlimbered the chain. <laughs> Alan, you might need to be the negotiator here, or maybe Bucky, because I think our buddy uh, Bobbert's still ready to murder. Miss, Mr. Forsaken, I'm, I'm always so confused about the rules of who we kill and, and who we don't kill. <laughs> why, why do you want to fight this Moonhammer? 
here's the best part, Bucky. Once we murder this one, we're done. That's that's it. Because I dedicated my life to this gigantic piece of shit. And then I got abandoned. And then my friend died all because of this gigantic piece of shit. So look, once this sword goes in there, we're good. But wait, 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 wait. We were both brought here. I'm assuming this is something to do with finding Quinny. All I've learned about gods is they're unpredictable assholes. And in the end, they'll betray you because they think they're so cool. Well, you know who's not cool? Moonhammer's not cool. Okay. Okay, okay. Bucky's cool. That is true for most gods, okay? But me, no. I'm different. This is totally true that Moonhammer would be really offended by the idea of being not cool. (laughs) (laughs) This rings so accurate for me. Moonhammer, you're able to convey to them that you have had trouble reaching out, that you've had trouble contacting them, that you awoke one day to find yourself in a human body, a mortal body, in your temple, which exploded in a post-credit sequence some time ago. Bucky, can you roll me an insight check? Mm Mm-hmm. 12. As the sort of resident fanboy, you're the one who's actively going back through the stories that you've heard. And you remember that if Quinny's wish came true, it's entirely possible that Moonhammer has been stuck in reality since the Wind God's promise. Mr. Forsaken, with Moonhammer here, you know, I always hear you talking about like how you were betrayed and and, and you get a lot off your chest and and you vent a lot. Maybe now's a good time to say those words to Moonhammer. She's right here in front of you. So it's like the role playing that you and I do where you're Moonhammer and I get to let my feelings out only with the real moon hammer? Yeah, uh, maybe less hitting. We only do air hitting, Bucky. Let's not pretend that I abuse you that much. I know, I still cry, though. It just hurts. <laughs> Why do you keep suggesting we do this? I just feel like it's good for you. <laughs> do you know what, Bucky? I'm learning you and I need to have a talk about our relationship in a bit. But I think everyone should be talking about their relationships. I'm so glad that you guys are back together, that the band is back together. Moonhammer is here, guys. I'm overcome by this, like, innocent, earnest display. (laughs) Alan looks at Bucky and just sees young Alan. (laughs) It's such a season one Alan thing to say. And part of me is just like, run away, get out now. (laughs) Alyssa, can you please roll me a persuasion check? 21. Alan and Bobbert, her story checks out. She seems to be uh, very persuasive. Now that you are convinced that she is, in fact, Moonhammer, or at least an aspect of Moonhammer, what do you do? I... Just turn around and walk into the woods. If anybody tries to stop me, I'm just like, this is for sake. While I'm doing this, I'm just taking off pieces of the Forsaken armor, like the helmets on the ground. I'm unstrapping stuff, and it's just like falling off until there's just a naked Bobbert walking into the woods. Bucky's following and collecting the armor. He'll probably want this later. Moonhammer and Alan. Moonhammer, you've come with an offer. Why don't you tell Alan what you're after? I can help you find your friend. Oh, great. I've been trying to do that for a while. In exchange, I need your help because I need to elevate my status as well. I need to become... What does that mean? The queen of hell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'm just going to lay it out there. Don't have much experience with hell. Never been there myself. Don't really know the dynamics or the hierarchical structure of it. I assume you have some sort of plan? I mean, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Alyssa, can you roll me a history check, please? (laughs) That one. Oh, boy. Um, Moonhammer, not being from this universe, you are not familiar with how it works here, Mm -hmm. but you assume... There's a bunch of hierarchical positions, any of which would really uh, help your agenda. But yes, you have no plan and you have no history, but you're pretty sure that you know how to get into hell. And that's why you've brought them to this temple. Okay. Okay. Let's go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> the one other piece that Moonhammer is able to give you is if she is indeed the queen of hell, then it'd be very easy to let you leave with a soul, which is Ooh. currently a problem that you still have. Yeah, that would be good. Just question. Why do you want to be queen of hell? That would get me one step closer in getting back to my world. I really hate being here. I'm not going to lie. This mortal body really sucks. Well, okay. Okay. Easy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I have no idea how you guys manage because in my world, my hands are hammers. And in this world, my hands are weak and shitty. I just like, (laughs) I have no idea how to smash things with them. I just break them every time I try to do something. She's broken her hands like eight (laughs) times. I just hold up a really mangled finger to Alan. (laughs) Can I try to cast my level one cure wounds on it just to see how? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to stop you. Yeah, sure. All right. Just because, I mean, if you really are Moonhammer, I learned cure wounds from Butthole, so. No, you learned it from watching the healing done on the pirate ship. You didn't learn it from me. Fuck me. Never mind then. Scrap that. 
<laughs> your hands remain broken? <laughs> <laughs> For the record, the spell does the same thing. Okay, yeah, no, I will. <laughs> Okay. I want to cast Cure Wounds at level one. So, yep. So you do that. And Moonhammer, your hands, the bones have been broken and have healed in kind of shitty ways. But you feel a lot of the pain go out of them. And it reminds you so much of what you used to be able to do. It's almost hard to experience someone else doing it. A single tear rolls down my cheek. (laughs) God, this friggin' leaky ass body. (laughs) (laughs) Alan, I know how much you like making deals and handshakes. Are you going to take Moonhammer up on her offer? Well, yeah. Let's do it. Um, I think we should probably bring along Butthole, though. You need him, too? Yeah, we definitely need him. Okay. Bucky has now joined the conversation kind of silently, like he didn't (laughs) realize he was there, just holding all of the Forsaken's armor. You guys want some help? I can do some magic. Hi, Alan. I'm Bucky. Oh, you can do magic. Yeah, yeah. You, you kind of inspired me to pursue magic and like an adventuring life. So I think I could be pretty good help. I've been helping out with Forsaken a lot. I hold his armor. See, I can hold all of it, the whole set. So I am useful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be dangerous, I assume, right? Moon hammer? Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah <but> <laughs> <laughs> I want to get Quinny back though, right? If all goes well. Sold. Okay, so can we venture out into the woods to find a naked Bobbert? Yep. So, Bobbert, what are you doing in the woods? I have found a small lake, uh, and I am sitting cross-legged nude at the edge of it, staring down at the water. And I can see a moon reflection that has my face in the center of it. (laughs) And I'm just this haunted shell of a man. When will your reflection show what you feel inside? I wish (laughs) I could say, wake me up inside, but I know that'll just activate my sword. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right, so um, Moonhammer, I'm going to say you approach on your own. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's, it's one of those classic sort of movie moments. You sit down next to him, and the two of you just kind of stare at the water for a couple minutes. In the background, Bucky and I are showing each other the spells we know. <laughs> so I sit down <laughs> next cool. to yeah. the Forsaken, and I let out the biggest, smelliest fart. And you're not <laughs> even sure how this big, smelly fart came from such a tiny, weak-ass body. <laughs> Good one. (laughs) So, hi. Hey, hey, buddy. Hey. I I know you're uh, in a lot of feelings right now, and I don't really fully understand it because I don't usually have feelings when I'm a god and stuff. But um, I just wanted to say, you know, we need you, and and Quinny needs you. So this is, like, my fault. Like, all this is my fault. Well... I did appear to you in your dreams like a bunch. And I'm thinking before that. I appreciate your immediacy. You probably live in a land without time, but we're real linear here. So I'm just looking at the way these events have worked out. And like, I was working for you and such. And then you exist because I wish to meet you. And the wind god is fucking dumb. Thanks a lot, James Cromwell version of the wind god. You're welcome. Not serious. Not so <laughs> literal. So literal. So I don't have powers because I wish for you to be here? Question mark. He's very nervous. Yes. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> fuck. Fuck. I killed Gwendy. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. And then I just lean forward and just bury my head under the water and just start yelling and bubbles are coming up. <laughs> that means that your naked ass is up in the air. Yes. I, oh, my geez. balls are swinging as I begin drowning myself. Uh, I reach down and pull him out of the lake. What do you grab me by? Because I am bald. There's no hair to grab. Shoulders. Shoulders. Okay, that yes. makes sense. Grab you by the shoulders, pull you up. And take- I just go, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. And I force my head back down. <laughs> Can I force him out? Can you roll me a strength check, please? <laughs> Five. Net 20. <laughs> I accidentally hurl both of us all the way into the water, so now we're swimming. Robert, you, you pull her into the water, and you're like trying to drown yourself, and you float to the bottom, graduate style or BoJack Horseman style, and you're looking up, and you see Moonhammer floating above you, looking kind of pissed because she's in the water now, and like, that don't truck. But the moon is behind her, and she's glowing kind of in the way you remember, and you can see her for what she was and what she could be again. Yeah, I realized despite my yelling, I have pretty good lung capacity because I've been doing a lot of yelling my darkest secrets in combat. And I realized she's starting to drown. So I go up and it's like hook with the mermaids where I like grab her face and I breathe into her mouth so she can breathe, which she does not care for. Yeah, Hammer, how do you feel about that? Oh, it's so uncomfortable. Why do mortals press their mouths against each other? It's disgusting. For me, it's just platonic. I just save it her life. Oof. 
gods. They just don't get it, right? I so I we were going to go much more on brand and just fart in different things. <laughs> and then she would breathe your fart air. So I realize I can't drown her. That's just continuing my trend of doing shitty things to her. So I like scoop her up and then we swim out and then we get up. And then I'm talking to her, but now I'm doing the awkward naked guy at the gym in the locker room where it's standing up and just propping yourself like you don't you don't care that you're naked at all. And it seems like you're making a show of it, but somehow you're not yeah, you're just unaware. Sure. I got one leg up on a rock and you're like sitting on the ground and oh just my crotch is two feet from you fully exposed. OK, I only got one question left. And then we'll have a different talk. Why did you stop letting your magic work when I was at the Wind God Island? I sort of becomes like a little kid worried he did bad. <laughs> Listen, everything's a little bit fuzzy, but I'm going to try to explain to you okay. what happened, okay? Okay. So I was stuck in the void. It's really shitty in there. I needed to get out. So I was spreading my power amongst a bunch of people in hopes that... I would be able to get out of the void. And I just, I really tried to give you magic hammer strength, but it just, like, I couldn't get to everybody. So I'm not special? You're, you're so special. That's why I let you win and not Fiddlesworth. Because I made you a temple and I found you Garvo. And yeah, you, you did so good. Okay. <laughs> So you were really powering Fiddlesworth? <clears throat> can you roll me a uh, <laughs> Can you roll me a deception check please Moonham? I'll give you advantage because you're a god. 15. Can you roll me a perception check please? 12. You know what? Sounds good. She didn't say yes, so <sighs> no good. Okay, so I Sort of messed up when I did this. Can, can you give me my Quinny back and then I'll be so good. I'll be such a good cleric. I'll be so good, please. Well, funny thing, that's why I'm here. You're going to give me my Quinny back? Yes, and you only have to do like one tiny little small <laughs> favor for me. Well, I mean, that sounds like a deal. Okay, great. What, what do I got to do? Just got to make me the... Queen of Hell, no big deal. Oh, man, I was worried it was going to be math. We can do this. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Dum Dums and Dragons features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, our special guest, and our DM Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra. And Dum Dums and Dragons' artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at delborovic.com. Our theme songs are, and now for that massive chorus and Skipping Through the Orchestra Pit Part 1 by Peter Gresser. And our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar. J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. And tune in next week for more dumb dumbs and dragons. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hello, Maria Kennedy from Hero Trackers here to tell you about a special report we've been working on at Hero Track Media. With the help of my producer Shayna, we are going to reveal the life story of a mysterious hero that, as far as we can tell, has never been covered by a media outlet before. Subscribe to this podcast feed to learn more about this hero and the strange circumstances surrounding their life and career, and how they might be connected to your favorite heroes. Coming soon from Hero Track Media, Vigil. Vigil, Season 1 an audio fiction superhero thriller in 10 parts from All In Productions. Featuring Haley Sanfilippo as Maria Kennedy and Adam Kudashat as Vigil. Subscribe or follow to make sure you're the first to know about Vigil. Vigil.